Welcome back to episode 60 of Establish the Collection. I am your host, Cody Main, joined as always by everyone's favorite NBA DFS analyst, but more importantly, everyone's favorite cardboard virgin, Gary Hartman. Gary, how's it going, buddy? Going well, Cody. Uh, you know, it's obviously been a tough to, to get these on the schedule during NFL NBA, but we are here in Super Bowl week. Um, we are here at a week away from the NBA All-Star break. Uh, we are here on a night in which LeBron James might set the all-time NBA scoring record, and he seems to be making a real effort at it right now. Um, so we are here at a good sports time in a time where my, my life's going to open up a little bit. Uh, so I'm happy about that. And, and all in all, I'm also happy because the cards market has been solid over the last couple of weeks. So good things I, I think that's around. the biggest takeaway. I, I want to say if you're watching the show on YouTube and you see, you see Gary looking up here or you see me looking off into the distance, it is because we are on lebron watch i think he now has 13 at the free throw line going for 14 needs 36 mm -hmm. tonight obviously an interesting discussion when we get to the nba portion of the show but you mentioned the super bowl waste management open which me now as a, a apparently i'm a golf dfs bro i've Big fallen uh, absolutely in love with golf i think maybe there's a future episode of this show to talk oh, about hell yeah. the golf card market Definitely. as well which i think would be super interesting but it is it is a great time for sports i think most importantly for today's show is the all-star break is what 12 days away or, or less. And yep. I think we need to talk about some of the biggest names in the NBA before we get there. We would be remiss if we didn't at least touch on everything happening in the NFL playoffs. And we, we get to Super Bowl Sunday and it's going to be what I think are the two best teams in the league by, by quite a wide margin in, in each conference. It's the Eagles, it's the chiefs, it's Jalen hurts, it's Patrick Mahomes. It was uh, an interesting path for each team to get here, particularly on the NFC side with everything that happened in the 49ers-Eagles NFC Championship game. But uh, any thoughts on either player's card market? And by either player, I mean the two big stars of the card market playing in this game, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes. Any major macro takeaways for you? Yeah, I guess let's start with Mahomes. I mean, he's definitely up across the board here. If you look at kind of base um, – you know, higher pop count, lower pop count, more rare, less rare. I'm seeing, you know, over the last two weeks, about 10% growth on things like Optic, PSA 10, uh, things like uh, Donruss, just base Donruss, PSA 10 are stagnant. Uh, so, you know, I think people are trying to get in where they could fit in on Mahomes right now because what he's about to potentially do on Sunday, I think, puts him in glorified air, uh, as in, you know, win his potentially win his second Super Bowl, what, at the age of 27. Um, you know, when about to win his second MVP at the age of 27 uh, with God knows how many more times that he could be in, in these types of situations. And I think people are actually trying to just get their hands on stuff right now uh, yeah. on the low end as well. So uh, we, I, we anticipated this. If you listen to our last show right before the playoffs, you would have heard us say that when these guys do get to that round right before the Super Bowl, uh, that's when we're going to see these big hikes. And, you know, combined with the fact that the, you know, all alternative investments, but particularly sports cards are up uh, over the last two or three weeks, I think, in a general sense, you're seeing that reflected in Mahomes. Um, his silver as well, PSA 10 Prism up 5% over the last two weeks. So all positive signs on him. And I would expect it to, um, you know, con contain that floor if he does go out and win on, on Sunday. And, and in the manner that he's able to do this, you know, I know we've talked about this a few times, both in our off-season prognostication show, in shows throughout the regular season, 
the the receiving core loses Tyreek Hill. <laughs> Travis Kelsey is another year older. They're they're trotting out now in the AFC Championship game. Marquez Valdez Scantling, Juju Smith Schuster is hurt. Kadarius Tony can't stay healthy. Michael Hartman is on IR. It's Justin Watson. It's Sky Moore who appears at this point of his career to kind of be ill-equipped to be out there for a majority of the team's snaps. I mean, he's doing this with guys that you would be shocked if I told you a quarterback drug this motley crew of, of pass-catching weapons <laughs> to a Super Bowl. If he goes out there and beats this Eagles team, which is truly, from top to bottom, a legitimate juggernaut, very few holes, if any, you can poke in this Eagles roster. Now they're one-and-a-half-point underdogs. He hasn't done it yet. If he goes out and does this, I think, like you said, he, he kind of – cements himself in that rarefied air and what better season to do it than in a season where Tom Brady just retired. You know yeah. I mean? This, this is truly a passing of the torch. If I, you know, if Mahomes goes out there, takes care of business on Sunday and beats this Eagles team, I, I think this is gets to the point of where we're, we're probably not coming down from here, but I also think a lot of the expectations are baked into this current price, given the way that things have trended up over the last couple of months. Yep. Yep. I think that's a great point uh, for both quarterbacks, right? I think that right. transitions just into Hertz as well. And another thing we, we talked about, um, you know, at the beginning of the postseason, you know, these were our two MVP favorites for the entire year. Mm -hmm. These were guys, especially Hertz, who did not really have too much of a market before last offseason. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of hype around this Eagles team going in. People were doing some offseason buying and it just kept kept climbing and climbing and climbing throughout the whole season to a point where like his silver PSA Prism 10 has plateaued at around a thousand dollars. Great, great for a just a silver 10, mm -hmm. you know, pop of 211. So it's a small pop, but um, you know, that stayed stagnant, but over the last two weeks, but over the last three months up 20%. And I do expect that has room to grow. As I mentioned, if he does put a ring on his finger, because, you know, this is not Nick Foles. This is still the guy that they consider yeah. to be a true, you know, quarterback of their future with a lot more room to grow. Maybe Lamar Jackson esque, as far as maybe he'll be around in the MVP conversation uh, at the beginning of each season moving forward here. So somebody that is still establishing their long-term market, but has definitely established his short term with a really high floor with a little bit more room to grow. And we've seen it throughout the playoffs here as well. Uh, kind of do what we thought it would, which was like kind of stay around the same with a little bit uh, of room as he makes a run. So, yeah. One, one question I want to throw back to you, and I hate to put you on the spot without you seeing, oh, seeing these questions that I have teed up for you, but how, how much exactly, and it maybe doesn't need to be exact. How much approximately do you think, uh, of his current value, how much of it is is him winning the Super Bowl baked into this current price? Is 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 seventy percent of him winning the Super Bowl baked in? Is it eighty percent? Is it lower than that? I, I guess what I'm asking is how much room does this really have to grow in the very short term if he does go out, beat Patrick Mahomes, gets his first Super Bowl ring with this team? Like, are, are we going to see this silver go from a thousand to to, to twelve hundred, fifteen hundred, or is most of it already baked in where we kind of see it sit around that one thousand to eleven hundred dollar mark? No, I think, I think there is some more room. You know, I think a lot of it was baked into the MVP conversation was baked into him having a huge, huge year. Um, and then it got up so high that it ended up becoming baked into a playoff run. But I think once you actually win a Super Bowl, it takes you into another stratosphere. Uh, and we've seen the day after two days after three days after we saw with Giannis a couple of years ago, uh, we've seen these guys have bigger bumps in those moments. So I definitely think, you know, once you have that, that, that hardware that you can't take back, yeah. Um, at such a young age, especially, uh, you know, with a guy that has a lot of fans, big market, a lot of swag. Um, and I think, you know, the way he plays, no reason to think that he can't be doing this for a long time. Uh, so I do think that there's maybe another 20 ish percent, honestly, uh, the day or two after the Super Bowl would be my guess. I think maybe 80% baked in with a little 20% jump, 
uh, to go. So, and I, yeah. and I would imagine that a lot of our, you know, a lot of our listeners, a lot of people that are, are kind of got into the, into the hobby around the same time we do are holding on to whether it's raw or graded Jalen Hurts stuff. So it might be a good opportunity, you know, re- leading up to the Super Bowl or, or immediately post Super Bowl to offload yeah. some of that initial investment. I'm going to be honest with you, you know, pre-show, I was looking at some of these other players that are involved in this game. There are some big names. We've got AJ Brown. We've got Travis Kelsey, plenty of names on the defensive side of the ball as well. But we, we, we just don't have those type of investable assets like right. we had in last year's Super Bowl with Aaron Donald, with Cooper Cup, with Jamar Chase, with even T. Higgins to some degree. So I, I, There's not a whole lot of interesting discussion here for me on, on some of these fringe skill position players or even on the defensive side of the ball. But any, anybody else aside from Hertz or Mahomes kind of stand out to you as guys that you're keeping an eye on heading into the game? No, I mean, Gronk is the most interesting guy. I'm sorry, Kelsey is, I was going to say, the reason I brought up Gronk, I'll, I'll explain <laughs> in a minute. Kelsey's the most interesting guy. Like if we're talking about the kind of the Aaron Donald-ish from last year, where there's like straight legacy at a weird position where like, you know, it's going to be an all-time great no matter how you look at it. But then I want to go and compare it to Gronk, somebody that has multiple rings and everything like that. And, you know, his cards if you look at just his tops Chrome rookie base, you know, but only a pop of 210 is uh, in a PSA 10, only $175 card. So it's not like we're talking that these tight end markets are anything major, major. And if there's anyone that's going to have post NFL appeal, uh, you know, just general celebrity appeal, it's Gronk, right? So I think when you're comparing apples to apples, which there's no other person to compare it to, there's no reason for me to get super into, into the idea of investing in Kelsey, even though he is a top two tight end of all time. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He already has a Super Bowl. He might have another. Maybe he gets a Super Bowl MVP. There could be like a little short bump. But I think if you're trying to think of a long-term investment here, uh, I would just look at the the comparison piece and and know that it's probably not there for you. Yeah, I'm with you. As, as, as much as I want to make some interesting comparisons from this year's Super Bowl, the last or even, you know, others uh, in, the, in the past, I think this is pretty much a two-man race here that we're interested in keeping an eye on Hertz and Mahomes. Before we transition to NBA, I did want to talk about some of these guys that were bounced from the playoffs bef- since the last time we talked, which was, you know, before wildcard weekend. So we, we've seen Trevor Lawrence, we've seen Justin Herbert, we've seen Joe Burrow get bounced from the playoffs now. And we have a little bit of data, not a ton, but we have a little bit of data since they've been bounced. And, and I think, as you kind of alluded to, to kick off the show, like the card market has been strong. And I think a pretty good indicator of that is guys like Lawrence, guys like Justin Herbert, guys like Joe Burrow, not really seeing their card markets dip maybe as much as we would expect in postseasons past once they get bounced you know for any any one of these guys Lawrence Herbert and Burrow which I think are kind of the big three of the guys not remaining in the playoffs down 10 to 15 percent but there are other cards that are up since they've they've been bounced from the playoffs so I don't think there's really a strong takeaway here in terms of how the market is reacting but any takeaways on Lawrence Herbert Burrow or any of these these other guys that were were bounced since we last recorded um, no, other than I kind of want to pat myself on, on, on my back. If you go back and listen to that show, I talked about kind of short-term guys I think have room to gain, long, uh, longer-term little two, three-week runs in the playoffs if they were able to get to the Super Bowl. And I think we saw the trends that I thought we were going to see. Uh, I said Trevor Lawrence, if he goes out and wins a game, would have a huge bump. I do believe he had just that. And I think it hasn't really come down too much. I think he, you know, solidified because I think the outlook of that um, he had an immediate dip right after he went out of the playoffs, but it looks like he went right back up after that. And I think it's something about, you know, he, once he was able to get that win in this kind of the state of that Jaguars team, it looks like people were really excited to invest. So, you know, he's bumped up through the playoffs and then Burrow was the other guy that I said, like, 
you know, if he can go in and beat either one of these guys, Mahomes or Allen again, and, you know, really put himself in a position to, you know, you know, at, at his second, in his second or third year, you know, be this guy that we all expect him that he can be, uh, there's room there too. So those are the two guys I was most excited about. And, you know, again, you still sometimes see, especially guys that are veterans, the second they're out of the playoff, that immediate dump off. I think for guys like this, especially Trevor Lawrence, because his market's still establishing, we didn't really see it, which is a very encouraging sign. Um, people were happy to invest and they weren't going to just dump off uh, the second they were out. I don't think they were expecting necessarily a Super Bowl run out of someone like that, but they were looking for something as T-Law collectors. And I think people could be very excited about that. So yeah, no, no major takeaways. I mean, Herbert would be the most kind of worrisome guy as, as kind of the face of the football hobby for years now, definitely has been surpassed by Burrow from a floor standpoint and probably from a, a long-term ceiling standpoint, as far as people's minds right now. And, you know, I, I talked about how I was always worried about that Brandon Silly team. I think they're too cheap to fire him. They bring in Kellen Moore. We'll, we'll talk about all that in the off season. Uh, I still have plenty of hopes for Mr. Herbert, but I think somebody that, if people were dumping off in the offseason right now, I wouldn't be too surprised. Um, and if you want yeah. to make some moves kind of in the dog days of football uh, before you start fantasy drafting in like June and July, uh, he'd be a guy that I think you might be able to, you might be able to snag, um, you know, during the, during that time period. So Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll co-sign the Herbert take because just looking at his market, you look like most of the flagship cards, you know, kind of the silver, the silver auto and a PSA 10, things of that nature were, were down anywhere from 15 to 20%. I think the, the biggest surprise looking at his field level silver, which is kind of kind of in that base range for somebody like Herbert that was down from $800 in January to 435 in the early yeah. parts of February. So, you know, big drop there. I think Huge. this is one Herbert, a guy that, you know, kind of went out, uh, in, in really dramatic fashion and really poor fashion, the way that they lost to the Jaguars, uh, all of kind of the downside risk that has been culminating over the last couple of seasons for him, as much upside as there is there. I think if, if, if the market is overreacting to some of the downside stuff that we've seen recently, I think that is an interesting one to set up alerts on eBay, kind of hawk some of those auctions here in the off season and see if there's, there's, you know, you can scoop up some that are, a little bit below recent comps. I think that's a guy that I'm interested in investing in long-term. Hopefully Kellen Moore can help turn around that offense, but I agree with you have, have, have certainly some question marks about Brandon Staley and the yeah. way that team is run right now. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll get into off season stuff and, and moves that we're making throughout the off season and things of that nature in, in episodes to come. But I want to leave us with plenty of time to discuss NBA here. And, and hopefully I can just kind of get out of the way and let Gary do his thing. Gary's got the LeBron point tracker up, and it looks like he's kind of on pace to do something uh, historic tonight. Yeah, tonight. I think he's so, too. 36. He's at 20 right now. There's Good five news. minutes on my stream to go yep. in the second quarter. Uh, yeah, and he's not and he's not on the floor, which is good news for us. So hopefully he's pretty much benched for the rest of the quarter. We'll we'll mostly wrap up the show by halftime, and then I think we'll be able to go watch uh, history. Yeah, yeah look, a, a peek behind the curtain here. As much as we would like to share this moment with all of you, I think we would like to be off stream and have our attention fully focused on. Well, we tried to share it with you all, too, but, but credit to the uh, security folks at StreamYard that do not <laughs> let you put a live video stream in a screen share, which... I should have known that that was the case, but uh, it, it wasn't. So what we were going to do, we were going to have this on in the corner and we were going to try to react in real time for all of you, which I thought would have been a little fun YouTube. Uh, Credit gap, to them for but, not allowing us to pirate pirate yeah. the stream, whoever has yeah. the, the locks. Even though the annoying the thing is like they should know because this is we're not recording this live. This is a straight recording. 
Um, so they should know because there's a there's an option to just record only, which is what we're doing right now. So you would think maybe like they could do that, but I guess then you're still sharing it with someone that might not have access to the stream and whatever. Right. I don't know. Regardless, uh, LeBron's 16 points away. So what other what other way to uh, talk about the NBA when we might get the NBA scoring record tonight? So. Cody, thank you for doing a lot of work earlier today as far as notes. Um, All-star game coming up, obviously, next week. I am My head's always in the NBA streets, buried. I'm going on a vacation with my wife tomorrow um, to St. Lucia, which I'm very excited about to get away. A little baby moon, going to be in the sun. So uh, I've been you know, I'm, I'm packing right now. We're right on the precipice of this trip and I'm looking forward to a little refresh. But that is all to say that day in, day out, my head is always in the NBA grind. So obviously happy to talk uh, some hoops with you, my friend. Yeah. And I'm just going to, I'm honestly going to get out of your way. We're going to run some ISO here or I'm going to tee you up. You're going to talk through the market because this is your, gonna be rapid this, fire. Is, this is your lane. Hopefully it doesn't backfire. I have no doubts uh, that, that you'll no, no, no. this. We'll do, we'll do a ra- we'll do rapid fire though. Like we'll, rapid uh, fire. Okay. Yeah, perfect. We'll just go. Uh, I, I kind of want to start with Luca. Um, yeah. I, I kind of hate where this is trending, given given Kyrie Irving as as the individual Kyrie Irving. We don't need to go there on on today's show, but I think the biggest non-LeBron related story uh, in the NBA right now is Luka Doncic and the Mavs making this trade for Kyrie Irving uh, very shortly after he requests a trade from the team. So I want to talk Luka Doncic's market. I think the biggest thing right now is kind of looking at his silver PSA ten, which has a pop count. Uh, just just north of 2100 last sold for $2,200. And we talk about the encouraging signs of the card market over the last 12 months has been very stable, very, mm-hmm. very stable, increasing 6.5% during that time frame. We talked earlier in the regular season, you know, we've, we, we've seen some Luka fatigue. We had seen markets dipping de- despite a lot of the on-court performances that he was posting was was kind of the front runner for the MVP at that time is still in that MVP discussion right now. But, but where do you see this market going for Luca in the, in the second half of the season? Is there a playoff run? Does Kyrie really change things for this team? Is there reasons to be optimistic for Luca's card market heading forward? I I do. I think I, my tune's changing a little bit from the last time we had this conversation because I'm kind of trying to take a macro view about of what buyers are doing, especially as there seems to have been a little bit more liquid in the economy right now. I know stock market's up a little bit, uh, crypto's up, alternative assets are up uh, a little bit. I hope it's not just a blip on the radar. Sometimes things get better before they get worse. Uh, so I don't think we're out of the mud as far as potential economic downturn. Again, I, I always talk about we're not, we're not a, a finance pod here, uh, but I do have people in my life that are very close to this type of thing. And I, I don't I don't think we're ready to say that we're out of the out of the out of the woods yet. But it's good for my business that over the last couple of weeks, just to have this quick macro talk off the top, over the last couple of weeks, I have been selling more. I've been getting more offers. Um, my my inventory has been moving at rates that I've been more comfortable with and and at, at in more volume, all very positive signs, obviously. Uh, and I think what I've what I've been noticing is you know, compared to someone that I think we might talk about next, like a Donovan Mitchell, when we had a whole conversation about him last year, and we'll get into a little bit more micro on him in a couple minutes. But um, I think what people are really kind of gravitating towards, you see it with quarterbacks as well, and, and one of the reasons I think skill, skill guys maybe didn't do as well that we thought this year, is people are really gravitating towards what can I bank on? You know, not only like, okay, LeBron Brady stuff, what can I bank on as far as, okay, this guy's got the goods. If I do invest in this and I'm not going to move it forever, uh, who, who are some of the all-time greats that I know are going to be there already? Uh, and I think Luca's entered that as far as in the sports lexicon, right? So I think investors, despite the high pop counts, 
Um, despite the ultra modern, look at this guy as, okay, a top five talent in the league. He's 23 years old. He's going to do something special. He's already doing something special. Uh, I feel com- confident, um, you know, paying what the market prices are. I feel confident, uh, you know, just sitting on this or buying more of these types of things. So I think that there's a kind of a safe floor with Luca. And, and that's not to say on the base stuff that there's a bottom that's, that can't still drop out. I do think there is when you're talking 20,000 pops, but I think anything over base, anything with like 5,000, even 10,000 pop, if you're talking certain silvers, things like that. I think, I think there's a floor here. Now, as far as room to grow and a ceiling this season, you're not going to tell, you're not going to get any kind of optimism out of me after this move that they just made. So uh, obviously <laughs> I, I, think, I expect it's, I expect yeah. it as much, but for a good reason, for right, a good reason. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think they're making, I don't think they're making any run this year. I, I get what they're trying to do. I think they, the clock is ticking um, as far as getting help around Luca right now. And I, and I understand the concern um, both from Luca, from the Dallas camp, all of that. They have not been able to provide him with true NBA all-stars to help him, you know, elevate this Mavericks team to, to the next level. And they're trying to get him a very talented player that can, you know, take, take some offensive load off his, off his hands. I don't know how it's going to fit. I mean, put, a five, put aside the fact that Kyrie's a head case. Um, you know, two very, very high usage guys. Usually, Talano went out in this situation. Maybe it'll be good for a little bit of time. I, I'm skeptical long term. I think the ceiling on this team is Western Conference Finals at most, um, at absolute most. But I don't think it's going to impact Luca's floor too much. I think that's in a good place, you know, um, as long as he doesn't tie himself to Kyrie's crazy conspiracy theories and absurdity. <laughs> I think he's in an okay spot. So. And I think the macro discussion here is, is is as interesting, if not more interesting, than the micro discussion on Luca specifically. Because as we get here into Donovan Mitchell next, who is a guy who's kind of the the opposite, the antithesis of of Luka Doncic, and in a guy who's probably a top twenty or or better player at this point. But like you said, it seems as though the market is trending in the direction, whether pop counts matter or not. The market is trending in, in the direction of locking up their money in assets that are top three, top five, or better type type players. And we'll see that as we go through through kind of some of the markets and how they're trending upwards or downwards for, for various players. And Donovan Mitchell, I think, is a perfect example of that. His silver PSA 10 from that pre-ultra modern stuff of 2017, his silver PSA 10 has a pop count of just 578, nearly a quarter of Luca's. This is down 21.1% over the last three months, where Lucas is up 6.5% over the last 12 months, selling right now for around $300. So, I mean, I, I get it. This is, a, this is an apples to oranges comparison, but his calves are fourth in the East. I mean, it seems like every other night I see another huge Donovan Mitchell stat line. But, you know, this is a guy that I feel like we've talked about since we began this podcast as a guy who did have a ceiling, but it seems like that ceiling might may no longer be there. If not now, when for Luke, uh, for, for Donovan Mitchell. So our, our, is our run on Donovan Mitchell being an investable asset over is, is there going to be a, a, a spike in his market at any point in time? Yeah. Let's just say who are the post 2010 draft players that we see up over the, even just let's say the last three months it's Luca, you know, macro view from like kind of the prism stuff. It's, it's, it's Jokic. Finally, the market's catching up there. It's Giannis. Giannis is still up now. If you look kind of post December. Um, So it's these guys that we're saying, we're not talking top 20 guys, which I still think could be good investments down the road because all it takes is they're 24, 25 years old, takes another leap and a championship and boom, like 
you know, there you go. And I think Donovan Mitchell is one of those guys that has that. He's kind of has a mini leap this year. He, he, he definitely was a rejuvenated from his uh, trade to Cleveland. Cleveland's got one of the best cores in the entire league. I do think they can compete for a championship. I don't know if it's this year. It might be. Probably not because of how strong the East is, but I don't think they're that far off. They're another piece or two of depth away with all this young, great talent to compete. So I do think there's still room long-term from this silver $300 card to get there, especially if the economy is in a better place in two or three years. Mitchell hits his apex of his prime. He's still on this Cavs team that is all, you know, is winning a championship. Maybe he's in the MVP discussion, which we've seen him be, you know, as far as all NBA type stuff in the past. I think he's more closer to, you know, 16, 17 in the league when I thought maybe in the middle of the offseason he was 24, 25. So he's jumped like 10 spots in my mind, and it's still not enough. Um, you know, not a sexy team going on there in Cleveland, but they're damn good. Uh, mm-hmm. Cleveland's not a big market anymore um, without LeBron there, right? So it's just like, I, I think that it's it's what we said from the macro discussion. That's really all I think it is. And I do think if you're willing to sit for three or four years, because the pops aren't outrageous on a card like that, I do think there's room, but I don't think in the short term. I think this is kind of the way people want their money to be right now. Um, and, uh, you know, I, obviously that's a card that I've lost, you know, about 50% on. And, and that's mm-hmm. not anything different. A lot of us have had things like that. Um, I don't regret that purchase. Again, I, I believe in that card long term, but I think it's something that we're going to see across the board here with the guys that are between 15 and 50 in the league, as opposed to guys that are, you know, between one and 10 or one and Great. 12. Great point. And I, I think that, and, and that's not to say that like things like this happening aren't healthy. This, this is totally healthy for the overall ecosystem and the overall marketplace, in my opinion, that we're seeing this kind of separation between what could potentially be or what already is all-time greats versus some of these guys that are just kind of stuck in the middle. And yep. for a long time, a lot of those prices were probably a little bit bloated. And now it comes down to a little bit more of the speculation, a little bit more of the, uh, of the things that we think we specialize in, we hope we specialize in and bring value in, and is speculating on some of these players moving forward. Like you said, could Donovan Mitchell go from 16, 17 to top 10? And could he see his market spike? Absolutely. But that's kind of where the speculation comes back into place. Uh, one guy that we've been speculating on for a long time has been a, a topic of discussion from for this podcast since since we launched this thing, uh, Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Jason Tatum, we're finally seeing it not only from the card market, but for, for the on-court performance as well. Again, another guy from the 2017 Prism class, the pre-ultra modern stuff. His silver PSA 10 has a pop of 787 up to $1,400 for that card, which is up 62.8% over the last three months. Yep. Though the MVP discussion is kind of a two-man race right now, we still have half of the way to go. Uh, Tatum is still firmly in that discussion. Top five for sure. Yeah. 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 Him, Giannis, Luka, round out that five. Absolutely. Yep. So, And and his Celtics still have the NBA's best record. Look like the path through the East is to the, through the East is going to go through Boston, if if not Boston, Milwaukee. But I'm very encouraged, especially with what you've said about kind of the macro that Jason Tatum has cemented himself as, as one of the, if not currently the, the five to 10 best players in the league, one of the next five to 10 best players in the league. And it seems like the market has reacted as such. Still a very, very young guy who has room to grow as well. How do you feel about Tatum's market right now? Yeah, we, we knew this was fin- eventually going to come and it finally has. So I hope you guys listened to us over the years as far as getting your money, getting your hands on some Tatum product uh, because he's absolutely top 10 right now. He's got all the goods that you want in a sports card investment. He's got Boston, which is a big, which is a big deal. He's got the the small forward type of true wing elite scorer uh, type in there. Um, he's got 
room to grow. He's got championship upside. He's got MVP upside, first team, all NBA, all-star starter, all the stuff you're looking for. Uh, good looking guy. Um, you know, not the most uh, charismatic, but not a, you know, not, not kind of a uh, Kawhi Leonard type either. Right. So I think definitely has all, you know, all, t- checks all the boxes for me as far as a safe investment right now. Um, so if your stuff's in Tatum, if your money's in Tatum, I don't have an issue. Yeah. And, you know, right, right in that same group is Giannis, Jokic, Luka, three months, all in the green, two weeks in most stuff, all in the green. Um, it, it makes sense, right? It just, you're, you're seeing a trend here. Uh, he's in that group for sure. So. All right. Let's, let's just hit, hit uh, Jokic and Embiid together. Obviously the ETR family is very much uh, kind to, to Nikola Jokic, a, a guy that we, we think is probably uh, a three-time MVP worthy type candidate him and him and Embiid the, the two big guys of the sports card market it sounds like you think they're starting to finally get their flowers despite being big guys despite being playing a position that generally doesn't get love in the sports card market what are, what are your takes on Embiid and Jokic this season as they kind of battle it out for what appears to be at least as of right now a two-man race for for MVP yeah I would agree and and well, one is one is getting their flowers, and that's Jokic in the card market. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a couple of reasons why we're still not seeing it too much out of Embiid. Um, I, I think that the pre 26, you know, the 24, he's 2014 Prism. Um, that is kind of one of the well, not as great years, right? The the post 2012, 2013, which were the first two years, and then when we get back into 2015, 16, which was like Towns and Jokic and things like that. Something about that 2014 year is a little bit. Uh, no man's land as far as product pop, you know, his silver is only a pop of 80 hard to find ever find that stuff on the market is the other thing. So I think people that have kind of those lower print run and bead stuff kind of hold it. You do see crazy and bead sales every now and then as far as like a national treasures type thing, or, you know, a very rare patch auto. But as far as, um, you know, you don't get have much data as far as sales over the last year, right? I think there's been one I'm seeing of his NTRP. I had a 99 one sale over the last 12 months. So you're just not seeing that stuff on the market really hard to evaluate. Um, I do think his base is undervalued still just because it's not like his base PSA 10 pop of 1500. Um, and for some reason it's just not been in that same pattern that we've seen of these other top 10 guys. And, and there's no doubt he is a top 10 guy, um, but it's just sitting there as kind of a $168 card where Jokic is. If you look at his prison base PSA 10, um, is now a $565 card. So it's worth $400 more basically and up 32% over the last three months. So I do think people look at Jokic as kind of more of a special, maybe already has the two MVPs. So, I mean, that, that in itself is something. Denver's the number one seed in the West this year. I think they have as good of a chance as making a, a title run as any team in the entire league. Um, and just kind of what he is able to do, I think, they both break the mold, but there's something about Jokic kind of doing these like Larry Bird-esque things mm-hmm. every single night. Um, has the European appeal, which I think is really, really big uh, for international markets. So, um, you know, and he does have he, he does have more of a track record than Embiid at this point as far as having those back-to-back MVPs. Once again, having his best somehow, one-upping himself again, having his best statistical season. So I, I don't know what it will take for Embiid. I just don't have an answer there for you. Um, for his his market to catch up, my, my best my best answer is that just way less inventory, um, and people that have R and B collectors probably sit on it. But uh, Jokic definitely definitely in that group of that we've been talking about here, Tatum, Luca, Giannis that we've seen uh, big big nice nice spikes, which is good for me because I am a Jokic collector myself and have a bunch of these colored refractors, PSA tens, BGS nine fives of his rookie stuff. Uh, I have some on card autos, I, all different high end products. I'm a 
I was buying into Jokic uh, before the first MVP. So I feel good about uh, one may, may have taken L's on Donovan Mitchell, but definitely am, uh, in the green on my Jokic investments for sure. I, I know you were early to Jokic and I feel like that was probably a pre prerequisite. I feel like you were in the, in, in the interview room with Drew and, and Drew just asked you how, how much Jokic inventory you have, because yeah. uh, if you're a member of the ETR NBA team, uh, you're, you're very much in, in on one Nikola Jokic. Yeah. I think that, that this kind of sets up for me and I didn't really come into to the show thinking this way, but it kind of sets up to me like, Hey, we've, we, we know that the average collector the majority of collectors are kind of trending in this. Let me park my money in top three, top five type assets, both in football and basketball. That's kind of sets up to me as like this barbell approach where we maybe ignore a little bit the, the Donovan Mitchell tier in kind of maybe the 20 ish mm. range, but maybe there's some guys on the outside of that range could that, that could really see a leap in their market from maybe a 30, 40, 50 type player in the league range who could become one of those top players in the future. Guys that stand out to me in, in kind of that category. And I think I think the next guy, Shea, Gildress Alexander, SGA, is above that group. Yep. Uh, but it's certainly somebody that I think you know could could see his market spike, could see his on-court performance catapult him into one of the league's best players averaging 31, six and five. Uh, you know, if it weren't, if it weren't for Lori would, would probably be the runaway for most improved player on this season. I mean, I, I don't think he can do much more on, on the court right now as he's doing battle with LeBron. I don't know what else he can do on the court. Is there something that has to happen outside of, of what he's doing um, putting up 30 points seemingly every night to, to see like a big catalyst in his market. And I know his market's been up this season, but is there anything oh, yeah. that he can do or anything that the team can do uh, in order to see a big boost for SGA? Yeah. Well, his market's had a lot of catching up to do, right. It was definitely undervalued. Somebody that I think we, another guy we talked about in the off season mm -hmm. that people just easily forget about, um, you know, the thunder are shutting down early the last couple of years as they've been full on tanking. Um, you know, but let's just compare real quick uh, before we talk about how this could grow even more. You'll get his silver PSA 10 pop of 543, not that far off from Donovan Mitchell. Um, that is a $455 card right now. So very similar tier of NBA player. I would put Donovan Mitchell above SGA, but not by much. They're very close to each other uh, in the top 20 to 25 of the league. And, mid, and, and SGA is a kind of a guy that people are, I think, willing to speculate on even a little bit more to the point where his card market is now above Donovan Mitchell. So do I think there's room? Uh, yeah, you, you know, it needs to, he, he needs this Thunder team to start competing for championships over the next two or three years. So I think he's plateauing soon. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I think, you know, he's, he's an all-star. I don't know what many more accolades he can get that will get him much more of growth in today's market. He'll probably be, you know, second ish team, all NBA, maybe get the fun team in a playoff surprise, you know, get out of the play in that's in their range of outcomes in the West right now. So, <coughs> excuse me, possibly something like that, but, uh, encouraged by the growth we've seen out of SGA this season, both on the court and on his card market. Glad to see investors, uh, catching on. So, yeah. I'm going to do a disservice to some of these guys next, but I do want to loop, leap, loop, loop some of these guys together, yeah, go group some of these guys together in kind of the, the younger, not just the next generation <laughs> group, but guys that are, are further back than some of the, the names that we've discussed today, but do still have room, I think, for their card markets to grow and have room to be investable pieces down the road. I think we can start with kind of the, the two guys, uh, Zion and, and Zion Williamson and John Moran, who were the face of the card market alongside Luka Doncic, alongside some of these other guys. Uh, and then kind of group them in with that next crop of, of athletes who were a part of, uh, you know, the face of the NBA sports card world, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball. 
And then there's this whole group of rookies and sophomores who to varying degrees have product available right now, or, or maybe don't have product available right now. But what do you think of this kind of this next group beyond the SGAs, beyond some of the, the top three to five names that we talked about in the NBA? Where are we at with Zion? Where are we at with Jaw? And some of these guys, you know, that still have have room for improvement that didn't necessarily make the all-star list this season. Yeah, I think what you're going to see with guys like that is their high-end, very high-end products still get really speculative, big, you know, take big numbers in there. And we're not talking, you know, we're not we're not talking June, July 2020 through March yeah. 2021 numbers. I'm not talking that. I'm talking you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars on John Moran RPAs, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars on Zion Williamson National Treasure RPAs. I'm still talking some very big numbers on that stuff as people speculate with their, you know, baller type of investments. With I'm taking a swing, high risk, high reward portfolio. But what you are seeing is both fatigue from a okay that we're now year three or four of these guys. You know, we've seen injuries on and off the floor. We haven't seen uh, necessarily. Too much change. Obviously, they continue to both improve as as far as players on the floor, but Zion's still dealing with injuries. We saw his market go back up earlier in the season when he was back on the floor. Now he's hurt again. Ja, you know, Ja got up so high in the offseason and, you know, on this Grizzlies playoff run last year that there really was nowhere else to go but down. And I think him particularly, we are seeing a little bit of fatigue um, as far as just people are, this Grizzlies team is kind of, you know, leading into the villain of the villainy of it mm-hmm. all of the NBA. Um and I don't think they're that likable right now. And Ja, I think, is losing a little bit, just a little bit, of his coolest guy in the, on the block uh, persona. And so I think he needs to get this Grizzlies team in the playoffs and start talking with his play. He's still an amazing, incredible player. The Grizzlies team's right up there in the West. Uh, but I think he just needs to do it all on the floor. Where all Zion needs to do is just get back on the floor and get this yeah. Pelicans team kind of doing what they need to do because Zion's still that super lovable you know, guy that people are willing to say, hey, this can still be a top five guy. So as far as speculation is concerned, you're going to see these numbers still pull. You're going to still see these guys pulling big numbers um, on the high end from a purely speculative standpoint when we're talking about guys that are not even close to finished products yet, but have top five player upside. So, you know, that's still its own tier for sure. I think there's some room to scoop up things on auctions on guys like this. Uh, for Zion, especially, I think, you know, k- keeping your eye on not the base because, you know, that's still we're talking 20,000 pop and has now dipped below $100, but everything over base. Uh, I still think there's room on, on guys like that, which are kind of top 25 ish players, top 20 players, maybe Jolly considered top 15, um, but are so ingrained in the sports cards lexicon that there was kind of nowhere else to go but down uh, until something else kind of pops, you know. It did seem that way. And like the, we, we talked about the Luca fatigue, you know, the, this is a guy that has been in the sports car world since 2018, you know, was the face of the hobby for so long. And it's just like, what's next, what's next. And we finally see something uh, beyond what, you know, what the expectations were so great to begin with, you know, jaw is down 29.6% over the last three months. Uh, I think, like you said, there could be an opportunity here to scoop some stuff uh, really cheap off of, off of auction or off, at least well off of peaks on yeah. auction and like you said, the dude's got to start doing it uh, with this with his encore play. I I I had seen some, and I, and I didn't save them, of course, but I had seen some stuff floating around on social media about uh, their record since since he said he was fine in the West, or since he said that the Grizzlies were fine in the West. So so like you said, 
it's time for Jaw to uh to to put his money where yeah, it's put up a shut up time for yeah, for Jaw exactly, for sure. Exactly. Yep. Uh real quick, let's get out of here on this weekend rapid fire. Any guys that stand out to you and and I listed a few uh kind of in the show notes, but anyone that stands out maybe not in that list, some of these rising stars, some of the rookies and sophomores that again have uh, you know really unestablished markets as of right now. Any names from from when we last talked over the last two draft classes? with Giddy and Jalen Green and Quentin Grimes and some of these other guys, Paulo obviously in that mix as well. Any of these names stand out to you as guys that you would like to speculate on, uh, on cheap prices who could make that leap into kind of this group of guys that we just got done talking about? Yeah. Well, I do think um, a, I think we should do a whole episode on the uh, rookie class of this year because we are still, we don't, we don't have those cards out yet. So we could do pure speculation, how to address, how to, um, how to approach breaks when that stuff comes out, when these new products start to come out. So I think that'll be a really good episode post Super Bowl uh, for those guys. Cause I think, you know, I'll have takes as far as this rookie class is concerned. And I think you'll be able to scoop up some guys, um, you know, for, for potentially some nice speculation, speculative value. So uh, nothing really there. I think last couple uh, of, of draft classes, you know, I'm, I'm skeptical of diving back into the, you know, Bones Highland, Quentin Grimes, um, even Josh Giddy a little bit, although I think he's got a higher floor or ceiling combo than those type of guys. But those role players, the Bones Highlands, like I, I, I am, I am, I, I don't want to make those same mistakes I made during the during the quote unquote bubble, which was like, yeah, you know, we were getting excited about all these different types of guys. People, everyone was getting excited about anyone that was playing twenty five minutes that was young that that yeah we knew nothing <laughs> about, you know, or or just was a a hot pro- international prospect like Sekou Domboya was like the perfect example of this guy. Never even freaking touched the NBA floor. His stuff was getting up so high. And obviously like Grimes, I love the guy. He's one of my favorite players, the Knicks and someone like that. But like, that's just a role player in the NBA. It's a great mm-hmm. three and D guy. There's not, a, there's not a floor there for a card like that. Right. Bones Highland, Emmanuel quickly, my guy, maybe a little bit higher because those guys are going to be like microwave scorers that can kind of blossom into something else. But we're years away from those guys ever having card markets. So yeah, if you want to bulk buy a guy like Emmanuel quickly or Bones Highland and throw him in a throw him in your closet, not think about him for five years and let's see where you're at. Uh, that's that's your move there. Cheap cheap just scooping up buys things like that. I think someone like an Alperin Shangun is a more interesting speculative uh, ad where you're just like hoping he could become a 15% of what Nikola Jokic is, because that's basically what he is, is Nikola Jokic, light, 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 light. Um, so just kind of having the international appeal, maybe he can get himself in an all-NBA team one day. But these are all very speculative. I'd only be going for the cheap guys here. I, you know, Even Jalen Green, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, those guys scare me a little bit mm-hmm. right now with kind of higher floors, don't really know what to expect out of that group. I think Anthony Edwards would be my favorite Um you know, chance at top 10 type player ad, but we're still a long way away from that. So I'm definitely being a little bit more conservative from the speculation standpoint. Uh, and, you know, I understand like what the market's trying to do with the top 10 guys. Mm-hmm. I still think there's, you know, room to be buying guys like Anthony Edwards, uh, Zion and Ja, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely worried about kind of diving into that tier below uh, in general. It, and I think it, it makes sense. Like, there should be takeaways that we take from this last mega bull run where, where we've seen the bubble pop. And now we kind of understand that the goalposts are moving a little bit for collectors and it's no longer good enough to become, like you mentioned, one of these microwave scores. It's no longer good enough to just be one of those guys. Uh, you, you really have to be able to ascend yourself to one of these upper echelons or at least show that type of upside uh, of players. It seems like the, the market is certainly 
trending in that direction. So I, I think if you are speculating and do want to make some speculative buys on these guys, just understand that their absolute ceiling, the goalposts have moved a little bit. It's no longer good enough to be top 20, no longer good enough to be top 25. You, you, you're kind of buying their ceiling case being top five, top 10 type players. And if you don't think that that is within their range of outcomes, it's probably not worth making that speculative investment on because you're going to end up eating it. So I, I think that's a big point with with some of these rising stars and some of these young guys that are fur, you know, firmly outside of the group that we just talked about before. And if you are investing in them, know what you or what the market is telling you they need to become in order for them to be, you know, worthy investable pieces. Yep, I think that's a great, great way to. Uh put a bow on that conversation for sure. I don't think uh, the second half has begun yet. Nope, I see the LeBron quite. tracker is still at 20. Uh, it sure is. Got out of here in a. Let's actually, let's, let's end on that. LeBron's market yeah. is up. LeBron's market is up. It's very good to see. And I think, I think it is, it it's, it's has to do with this milestone. Uh, I think mm-hmm. is a lot of it, right? I think people play into these huge career altering or, or, or NBA history altering, milestones but if you recall his tops chrome base psa 10 pop of 2200 did dip below six uh six thousand dollars um about a couple months ago it's up 20 percent over the last month back up to seventy five hundred dollars uh dipped all the way down to almost five thousand dollars if you're talking six over the last six months so you know good to see that car back over 7500 i always valued it at around this price set right now so i think it's at a good spot healthy spot if you want to be offloading lebron um, over this next week, as he gets all his flowers, you know, well deserved. Uh, I think it's totally fair, but obviously, we, you know, your LeBron stuff is safe long term. But uh, just good to see that people are excited about um, what LeBron is doing on the basketball floor right now. So perfect. We love to see it. The second half is underway. We'll see if LeBron can get 36. We'll see if LeBron can go for maybe a 40 burger, maybe a 50 burger, do something truly yeah. historic yeah. tonight. Hopefully, this this episode finds you guys well. We'll be back likely. In two weeks or so, and I think yeah, I saw some be. messages in the Collectibles Discord on Establish the Run, maybe a baseball episode, maybe before Ooh, baseball yeah. season gets underway, we can talk about some potential offseason buys, Definitely. what we need to look out for for the MLB season. But certainly we will be back in a couple of weeks to check in with you guys. For Gary, I'm Cody. We'll see you guys next time. Enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody. Go Chiefs. Let's go. Let's go.